Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh my! It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Psychic medium Helene Olson and paranormal researcher Patricia Baker. Here are Supernatural Girls. We truly appreciate your tuning in for another episode of Supernatural Girls. Today is Saturday, August 3rd, 2013, and boy does the time fly. It's already August. I barely blinked my eyes, and here it is. We're heading into the fall already. And tonight uh, I'm here. I'm Helene Olson. You can find me at angelslighthouse.com, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Patricia Baker. Patricia, are you there? Hello, Helene, and hello to our audience. What a great show we're going to have tonight for everybody. Very exciting. Oh, we are. It is exciting because, you know, just discussions about the Holy Grail, um, it's so fascinating. There really, I guess, is no final answer, at least yet, right? Yeah, I think this is an exploration, but I know uh, Laura Eisenhower is going to give us a whole new picture of this, and I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Fascinating stuff. Wow. It is. Oh, how was your day today, Patricia? Well, it it was a battle. I got to tell you, I'm I'm having a battle with fruit flies now. I'm I'm begging outside or inside? Inside. <laughs> well, inside I was inside my I was house. In, you it cannot is believe terrible. it. I, you cannot believe this. We were in Bed Bath and Beyond today because I had to pick up a couple things. And yeah. my husband, who managed to get into the store, which was awesome because we took him out. Today. Yay! Yeah, he he points to a rack <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. He says, "Look at this!" And what was it? A fruit fly trap, Patricia. See, he was picking up on my <laughs> if desperate If I had known, need. I would have got you one, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this is getting serious because I've tried these traps before. I haven't found them mm-hmm. to be incredibly effective. And I thought I had these little buggers under control, but yesterday they must have been just, there had been an explosion of them all, and they're everywhere. And, oh, my goodness, I just can't stand it. So I'm asking our listeners, if you have a solution that you like for fruit flies, please email me. <laughs> I'm desperate to find the answer to this. Now, right now what I do is I pull out my shop back and I suck them up in the vacuum. And, I don't know if I would have thought of that one. Well, wow. it's, you know, no muss, no fuss, and away they go. There's just so many of them. Now, they like to land on stainless steel, so I have a lot of that in my kitchen. So they land on the faucets, and they land on the refrigerator, and I just wail they land, and then I suck them up. But there's, it's just gotten to the point where there's way too many of them. So I'm really excited to hear from our audience tonight in case anybody has the perfect solution for getting rid of them. So, wow, that's what I need. I, I have a need. 
<laughs> Hopefully our listeners can help me out. Wow. So that was my day. Wow. It was a battle. Well, and what about you? The weather was good today, and you know I love to talk about the weather. It was I good know today. you do. It was perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. No humidity here in the New yep. England area, so that was really nice. So it was a nice, relaxing day. But I still can't believe it's August already. I know it. It's it's moving fast. Everything has sped up so much. It has. It truly has. I'm already looking at, you know, I hate to say it, Christmas. but I know Oh, people, my goodness, please know, don't take us out that so far. <laughs> it feels like it's it's around the corner, though. It just oh, feels goodness. to me like I, everything's sped up so fast that the day has gone in a blink, a week has gone in a blink. I don't understand it. I want it to slow down a little bit. I do, too. I do, too, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I guess we better catch up and get used to it. Mm-hmm. So you have some interesting paranormal news tonight, Patricia. I really do. I have some very wild paranormal news, and it's baboon's bizarre behavior, and it's taken place in a Dutch zoo. So I'm just going to tell you what's going on here, that zoologists are baffled by the strange behavior of a troop of baboons in a Dutch zoo. They've become inexplicably withdrawn, apparently fearful of an unseen threat. They became panicked at the end of the day on Monday. They were hysterical, not jumping around, but behaving very strangely. And the zoologist was reporting all this in the northern Netherlands, apparently. And on Tuesday and Wednesday, the baboons just sat in the trees or on the ground, hardly moving and not eating. And there were 112 of these baboons. They're East African monkeys and also that turned their backs on visitors. Now, the zoo, this is an interesting piece, too. The zoo said this was the fourth time in 20 years that the baboons had behaved this way. And nevertheless, they said that this type of behavior has not been seen elsewhere, not in captivity, not in the wild. So the zoologist said he has no idea what happened on Monday to traumatize the baboons who were all born in captivity and live on this island at the zoo. So, of course, there's all these theories flying around that they're feeling possible earthquake that's going to take place or a natural disaster you know, something like that. But it it gets even better because there are animal communicators who did communicate, apparently, with the baboons. And the baboons told the communicators that there was a visitor to their area. And this visitor had three fingers. So you can see where this is going. Um, We're talking about a possible alien visitor that spooked these baboons. And what the communicator said is in the wild, if they had ever been approached by something that they were uncomfortable with, they would all just take off. But they're in a zoo. They can't just take off. So they exhibited this other strange behavior, uh, which was I mean, not strange, but it was unusual behavior for them. And also there were UFOs apparently that were sighted. So there may be a connection here that what they were seeing, no one else could see, and they didn't like it. It scared them. So Hmm. that's the news. It happened other times before. Is that all the communicators? Oh, sorry. 
No, it's just that no one else has come forward yet and said what has happened these other times when they've seen this behavior. There's been three or four other times they've seen this behavior. But at this point, there nobody's come forward and said, oh, and then an earthquake happened on the heels of this, or uh, nobody has put those those pieces together. But I'll put my money on the animal communicators. As you know, we've had an animal communicator on the show here, Supernatural Girls, and they're just so incredibly accurate about what the animals are seeing and feeling and thinking. So I'll put my money on them in this uh, situation. I think they're probably right, and these baboons experienced an an unknown visitor in their area, and they were spooked. Wow. Um, I'm surprised that the communicators couldn't get more information than that out of them because, you know, apes are incredibly intelligent and you usually can relay a lot, so it sounds like they were really, really frightened or terrified. Yeah, and again, you know, communicators are also limited by what the baboons can describe, and, and if this was an unknown to them, it would be difficult for them to explain that to a communicator. But the communicators did get the feeling that whatever visited them was operating at a higher frequency level than is perceivable by humans. Mm-hmm. And they also said that this, uh, whatever was, scared them, was present for a few days. And then it took the baboons another few days to realize that the thing had finally left so that they could relax. Wow. And there may be more information. I mean, again, this is just coming out now, and people are, are just starting to to fill the Internet with reports on it. So we may find out more. Fascinating. Animals tell the truth, don't they? But they really know what's going on, and I, I love what the Native Americans told me, which is every animal knows more than you do. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I have to agree with that. <laughs> yes. It is the truth. I have truth. to agree with that, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, I'd like to encourage the audience to call in at 646-478-0828. You can listen to the show directly from your phone and press 1 if you'd like to get in the queue to talk to our fantastic guest, Laura Eisenhower. Um, we also would like you to go over to SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com and sign up. Put your name on our free newsletter list. Patricia produces the most beautiful newsletter every week telling you, you who is going to be on our show and all kinds of angelic and paranormal information on there, and it's a great newsletter. And once you put your name on the list, you're automatically entered into our giveaways. And I know that tonight we have one, don't we, Patricia? We do. Tonight we are giving away a book by the Wild Man, and you know who that is. It's yeah. our, one of our favorite people. It's Dr. Richard Allen Miller. And the name of his book is The Modern Alchemist, A Guide to Personal Transformation. And Richard has been kind enough to donate this book, and we will be happy to award this to one of our subscribers. Yes, and we will be picking a name right after the show. So if you're listening now, go on over and sign up so that you can be entered into the drawing. And it's all good. We love giving away these great books and readings and so forth as we do. So it's great to sign up and be informed. Absolutely. Let's let's see. Laura Eisenhower is a known name on radio. I know that. And uh, she is quite educated in science and also metaphysical topics. Is that correct, Patricia? 
That is. I mean, Laura is an expert on a lot of different fields. She's she's mm-hmm. just very brilliant. And again, her her great grandfather was President Eisenhower, which I think is amazing. And I want to hear about that too. I mean, what's it like to grow up with with that that kind of a history in your family, that kind of a genealogy? And and then take the turn that she's taken into these wild and wonderful uh, different subjects that are quite different. And I just can't wait to hear from her. Okay, well, let's bring her live on the air now. All righty. Hi, Laura. This is Helene. You're live on the air. Hello, Helene. Great to be here. Hi, yeah, Laura. Nice this is Patricia. So glad that Hi, you were Patricia. able to join us tonight. Thank you. It's Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Nice to uh, be here, Patricia, both of you. Thank you. You know, I was reading about you, and I see that you have twin boys. That's right. And so does Helene. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, mine just turned 15. How old are yours? 12. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Yeah, wow. (laughs) That that could be a whole big discussion. Twins. Yeah, it could be. It could be a huge discussion, but, you know, I think our audience is interested in a discussion about the Holy Grail. And also, um, I have a question for you. Well, maybe we should talk about your background first and how you got involved in this work. Okay. Because you you have extensive experience in all things metaphysical and lots of personal research you've taken on yourself about the Holy Grail and uh, Mary Magdalene. So how did you being from sort of a royal bloodline if you yourself, if you want to put it that way, become interested in these subjects? Oh, gosh, it just kind of came to me. Um, really, when I was uh, a kid, I just had all sorts of thoughts and feelings about what was happening on the planet based on the energies I was feeling. And my father, you know, gave me the middle name Madeline. And so I just, I always felt a connection to the Magdalene energies, and of course when you're a kid you don't have a whole lot to compare and contrast, but I just seem to have a lot of memories, just just not necessarily what I would say past lives, but just in my intuition, just understanding just things connected to the masculine and feminine energies being out of balance, and just weird feelings about what happened historically to get us to the point where we, you know, where we are today, and so as my life unfolded, um, from a young age with these thoughts in mind, I just got, went on these incredible metaphysical, multidimensional um, journeys, which, which gave me the metaphysical understanding of, you know, disease and just what the planetary body is going through. Um, and I wouldn't call these journeys necessarily fun. I guess some could call it the dark night of the soul, but it seemed to be way beyond that. And uh, that's when I started to understand the archetypal sort of more mythological stories And then later on, just, you know, growing up in the Eisenhower family and trying to get a grip on what the military-industrial complex is all about and understanding the deeper layers of it, I started to see the connection between the exile of the divine feminine and what we're seeing in the world today with all the corrupt um, false power structures and the patriarchal energies. And and so with other experiences that I've talked about publicly, um, I've I've just sort of pieced it all together. And... uh, it's just been very interesting because everything that we see is connected to these deeper stories. And um, so it's just been amazing to, you know, be able to get a grip on it without leaving anything really unturned. I mean, of course, we're always learning, but when, when, when 
the larger picture makes enough sense, then everything kind of falls into place a lot more easy than the initial sort of, okay, wait a second, why is this over here and what does this mean? And so my whole life has really been about exploration, self-discovery, soul journeying, and also doing research to understand um, our history compared to the hidden history um, and things related to the government. And, and so the Magdalene energies and everything that, we're dealing with right now with the return of the divine feminine and the goddess, you know, has to do with the rebalancing. And to me, that represents the destruction of the military industrial complex or all the archonic um, forces of patriarchy. And so that's why it all kind of links up. And that's just sort of how, how it's been at weaving out of sort of the inner journeying and just sort of assessing the outer information. Wow. That's quite a journey, my goodness. And uh, you know what I love about the way you're talking about this is it's very clear how passionate you are about your message and your experience of life and how much you love to share your experience to help people understand this from a very different perspective. And that's terrific. It's it's fun to listen to you talk about this. It really is. Okay. And I I do have a question. I know, I mean, again, you know, having your great-grandfather being President Eisenhower, wasn't he the one that was supposed to have met with extraterrestrials also? Yes, I think he's uh, one one of the, I, I think there's like three presidents that have had ET contact. He's definitely one of them. And he's had quite a bit as far as I've I've come to understand. But none of this was passed down from family, so it's not like I'm holding family secrets. A lot of it I discovered on my own. Um, and uh, I got I got kind of a window um, peer into or look into uh, the shadow government in 2006 when I was uh, recruited to go off planet. So I started to really understand the military industrial complex, the ET treaties, and the different races that um, Eisenhower supposedly met with. And of course, I don't have legitimate proof, but I think when we start to pull a lot of pieces together, that's where we can intuitively, you know, come up with theories and answers beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's kind of what I do. Um, it's like there's certain things that have become so obvious based on whistleblower testimonies and what I've personally seen and how it all sort of plugs into the larger story um, that what I speak about is as close to truth as I can come, but, of course, there's always going to be gray areas and missing pieces. And so I always make sure people know that, you know, that's where I'm coming from. I'm not here to create fixed beliefs, but at least, you know, get people thinking and uh and it really does resonate, you know, with what I've come to understand. And I think that truth sometimes really helps ground us and balance us and almost improves our health. And when I started to speak about this stuff and really put it together, I started to feel healthy and, and like I was shedding a lot of confusion. And so I think the body has been a great gauge as a muscle tester to, you know, do this. But, yeah, um, I think he met – well, I, I, I'm pretty certain he met with the Greys and then also the Nordics and also uh, beings from Venus which happened in the 1960s. Oh, and no there's gonna be a movie. Yeah, there's going to be a movie coming out about it, and the producer of the movie we interviewed on our show, his name's Craig Campobasso, and he had encounters with these beings as well. And so after doing a bit of research on it and then having him on our show and just all the different testimony and other things, I think that this is definitely a legitimate story. And basically Eisenhower and Nixon put these beings from Venus, uh, the commander named Valiant Thor, Oh, yes. um, in the Pentagon for three years uh, under VIP status to help them on their mission, but they got shut down. Um, and that's when, uh, you know, really the shadow government, you know, was definitely the stronger force of control and power. And that's why 
I believe um, Eisenhower warned us in his farewell address about the military-industrial complex after all these attempts, um, including, you know, having help from these beings from Venus um, still with this opposing force. So that was part of his warning, I, I suspect, I is uh, that we really have to do something as a collective. Yes, and I remember reading that book a long time ago, The Legend of Valiant Thor. And I right. loved that book. I thought it was tremendous, and I felt that it was based on reality. And, of course, as everybody knows, when you're dealing with aspects of the military government or the shadow government, uh, oftentimes the right hand is not informed of what the left hand is doing. So that there are always missing pieces. And I like what you said about the truth, because the truth is very grounding. And these days there's not a lot of it going around from what we consider to be our institutions in the United States and elsewhere. And so you do really have to go inside to find the truth um, and listen to people like you to make us think a little more deeply about some of these things that are going on around us. And this is a wonderful time for change. So I'm so excited that you're here with us. And Let's go to the actual topic, which is Avalon and the Holy Grail. And you talked about the return of the Divine Feminine, and all of this is very exciting. But the legend of Avalon and the legend of the Grail, this has been interwoven globally in so many different cultures. What is your take on all of this? Why is it so interwoven the way it is? Well, there's just a lot of metaphors and symbolism connected to these things and a lot of distortions to sort of, you know, keep us manipulated because that's the name of the game. So nothing better than to take things that are already cellularly, on a cellular level and a soul history level very familiar to us. And then with our amnesia of being reincarnated, you know, we get sort of that familiarity, but then it's mixed with lots of disinformation. So, And then sometimes it's not, um, and sometimes it's just about activating just more remembrance and going deep within. And so... It really depends on the person and how they process. Um, So lots of different stories. You know, there's some that I find to be way off track and some that just are really uh, more about the the, the individual, which is really what everything on a spiritual level is about. Nothing's really externalized um, except for the illusion uh, as far as our separation from, you know, the creator or source. That's the illusion that religion plays on is that something is separate from us and we need to worship it. And so what as is, much as what, there are externals, just, me, they come from the internal. Let me just stop you for well. one second, because we're, when you when we hear about Avalon, it's it's like it's some made up mystical place, and then we have these this the storytelling that goes along with Avalon. What do you feel about Avalon? Do you feel that it, it existed, or do you feel again that this place was just a metaphor to try to teach us something? I think the symbols um, act as metaphors that can become distorted and used as tools similar to technology being externalized. All these tools are within us, but yes, I absolutely believe Avalon was a real place. Atlantis, Lemuria, Hyperborea, all those places are real. Um, And we are dealing with a second creation of Earth. And so a lot of that uh, history um, has been somewhat buried. Um, It's been obvious that there's been floods, and so... You know, archaeologists have found all sorts of things, though, that prove that these things aren't legends, um, that these stories aren't legends. But what I was referring to is that because there's so much um, controversy and a lot of people think it's fantasy, it's easy to distort all of this or to create stories that seem to be factual um, based on the tools. 
and the symbolism. So, and that's kind of what religion does. So, yes, Avalon, if one goes to Glastonbury and even to Tentacle Castle or looks at the ancient coins um, in Greece, the Cretan coins, you'll see the labyrinth. And the labyrinth was a very, uh, is a very big landmark in, in Avalon, in Glastonbury. And that connects to, um, you know, this portion of land that survived the Atlantean uh, cataclysm. And the Sumerians um, migrated there after Atlantis sank. And so there was a lot of power uh, still with them as far as their abilities. Because every time there's a flood or some sort of catastrophe, and we've had a number of them that led to the final destruction of Atlantis, but each time a major catastrophe happens, and, and you know, there was one, you know, final big one, the vibration of the earth goes down, you know, a notch or three. <laughs> and our DNA has also been a, a, affected by it. So, for example, the Atlantean cataclysms led to Harmonic Universe 2, which held earth energies of dimensions 4, 5, and 6, sank into Harmonic Universe 1, where the earth energies were dense, uh, dimensions 1, 2, and 3, which are much more physical, much more... Um, where we hear about just different species like dinosaurs and stuff like that. So my theory is that when Atlantis sank, and there's, you know, a lot of research, uh, a lot of information about this that backs this up, um, not so much how I, like, glued it together, though, but when this Earth, um, when the higher Earth energies, dimensions four through six, and the higher Earth of Tara sank into this lower density, all the higher beings also sank with it, which lowered their energy, but they still had memories. That's why a lot of people say, oh, I'm not from this planet. I'm a light worker. I know I'm from Atlantis or Lemuria. I'm a star seed. You know, lots of people are talking like that. But a new uh, race of beings was also seeded that don't have those memories. So it sort of depends on your lineage. It depends on, you know, your soul's story. So a lot of beings, um, you know, in Avalon, um, after Atlantis, still you know, understood the energies of before uh, when, when they were in a higher dimension. And so they were able to, in a sense, create gateways or understand the gateways that existed between dimensions that were so they, slowly they were very, getting kind I mean, of clogged. From, from what I understand with Avalon, I'm no expert on it, believe me, but from the things that I've seen and watched and read, it, it just seems like there was a lot of magic being practiced. It feels like the Salem of the old world in some ways. There was just a lot of that going on, and some of it good, some of it not so good. And it just, again, I do have the sense that you do, that this was a real place. And unfortunately, it was also fraught with some of the same human failings that all of us face today, you know, different questions of morality, integrity, all of those kinds of things. It's just historical, and this is how we are as humans trying to refine ourselves but the whole place of avalon is there's just something so incredibly beautiful about it in its energy and magical and it does feel like something we've kind of lost in the retelling of the story a little bit yeah I mean, it's been very, very important to resurrect all this because basically the whole of the land is like a miniature copy of the solar system the way it's laid out um, it's connected to the zodiac you know the landscape and also to the body of the goddess and the entrance into the underworld, which is the mother womb. And before Atlantis sank, that wasn't really the way that things were structured. Um, the stargates were placed on the planet during this time, or you know, actually before this time, in order to help us to ascend, because the planet had fallen to, into a lower density. Um, I, I guess you could say a rescue mission was initiated, and it had to do with the goddess morphing into the physical planet. And so these stargates really represent what, is termed the quest for the Holy Grail, but from those with uh, ill intent, 
they're not their quest for the Holy Grail has nothing to do with ascension. It has to do with control of the Stargate so that they can turn this earth into sort of a I guess energetic prison, I guess you could say. And so in Avalon, um, before that really took hold and before these natural stargates got really kind of plugged up and manipulated and played with with technology, there was the ability to understand the land as the body of the goddess going into the underworld and rebirthing again. And in Atlantean times or Lemurian times, acting as the right and left brain, the laws of physics were different in these higher dimensions and the soul could come and go much more easily as it pleased. But after the sinking happened, there was an initiation, and that's why there's a lot, a lot of magic. But because of duality um, during this time when everything sank to a lower vibration, basically because of the tree of good and evil you know, being eaten from, we were given a chance to utilize free will and decide whether we were going to stay in integrity or utilize the forces of nature for our own um, wishes, I guess you could say, uh, service to self. And that's where the dark sorcery comes in. And even today when we see the Illuminati, it's not just governmental stuff. I mean, they use dark ritual um, they harness energies, they siphon energies from humans, and they use it as a weapon against us, all energy, whether it's from the earth or us. And so um, Avalon was like the final frontier of like when the energies were pristine enough to actually allow the soul to initiate into the higher realms via wormholes and stargates. But because there was a rebellion during this time as well, because they were in competition with the divine human that was seated, and they didn't want humans to ascend, they wanted to control them, and not redeem themselves because they're basically fallen angelic races, their quest for the Holy Grail had to do with the suppression and exile of the feminine and their use of her power for their own benefit, whereas those who stay awakened or at least end up going through, I guess you could say, the dark night of the soul or the underworld, labyrinth, maze, whether it's in Avalon they did it or now, are given a chance to sort of rebirth themselves out of the artificial matrix that's been constructed, and that's through breaking through the different blockages, which are called frequency fences, which has also put our planet in quarantine. So to me, Avalon is like one of the final places where magic really was, but they got, you know, it got driven off, you know, as we hear things just were exiled into the underworld, the Templars were infiltrated, the original Illuminatists were um, infected with these lower um, demonic energies, and uh, this is what we're seeing today is, is nothing but um, this, this sort of war between good and evil. And I really believe that Avalon was where a lot of this originated, not with the intent that it would get out of control, but trying to at least hold these, these, these um, teachings and understandings. And that's what the goddess, you know, really represents because she became the earth. And so the entrance into the yoni of the land represents the, the labyrinth, and it's got seven rings around it, which are similar to, you know, Anana's journey into the underworld, which she had to go past seven gates. But Magdalene is also considered the 13th apostle, and the 13th gateway is the mother arc energy. So when we think like 12 zodiac signs, 12 apostles, then we see the goddess energy representing 13. It's kind of like that's the holy grail is, is the mother room, the cosmic mother. And so well, our and, initiation and into that If I could just stop you for, for a second room. again, because I, I, you're, saying, you're giving us so much information. And I know, Helene, you and I have had this talk this week about – you know, the difference between working with all of this energy to re- refine yourself versus trying to force somebody into a situation to try to make them do something or change something or whatever. And is here's the thing, and Helene, I'm pulling you into this because you know we've talked about this at length. Oh, I'm listening it, very carefully. I'm being quiet, but I'm listening very yeah, carefully. Yeah, I know you I are think, because I just I, I know that, that this is... Yeah. 
this this whole piece about the battle between good and evil and mm-hmm. everything, Laura, that you're talking about in terms of the military complex and the uh, ability that they have to control and to, again, not allow people to continue to just work on and refine their own being. Isn't that really the battle here? I mean, it, that do we take on our own responsibility for changing, refining ourselves in a beautiful alchemical process, or do we try to, again, inflict our will on other people or groups of people? Isn't that the light and darkness here? Right. I mean, there's definitely a need to inform, you know, others about things that have been hidden, but anything that involves force is control, whether it's to convert somebody to believing in your viewpoint, even if it's a good viewpoint, to becoming an agent without realizing it, to the dark side by falling into the trap of all those programmings out there. It's Mm -hmm. definitely everything about alchemy, everything about the Holy Grail, everything about all these metaphors are all internal. And the thing is with these dark entities, because they have lost connection to source, they act as parasites and they feed on humans and they feed on any other energy source for power because Mm -hmm. they're they're disconnected. And because of this... um, it's externalized all these symbols and our own consciousness into technology, into symbolism that we see on TV, and most of it's inverted. Most of it creates a reverse spin so that we descend and not ascend because that's the biggest threat to them. And we can't really externalize them and do this us and them thing. We can look at it as an unconscious aspect of ourselves due to duality, you know, the negative ego or the shadow side. And that's why it's so important to go in these dark journeys because it forces one to face their own power and and, and see everything that stands in the way. Um, Perhaps, you know, an entity or the misuse of power through the negative ego or just the fear of one's power because one's been conditioned to not want to go there um, because we're taught to give it away and to give it to our governments and religion. And so, you know, we all have different reasons to go into that territory, but it's the most liberating thing one can do. Well, I agree, and and I think also we've had Lon Duquette on the show a couple of times, and he's a fabulous guest and an occult expert, and he has talked at length about what is our mission with these dark entities, and he said it's to bring them to the light. That's what this is all about. You don't turn your back on them. You don't. You, you have to bring them to your to the light. That's the mission here, and it's. Yeah. It's it's wonderful to hear Lon tell these amazing stories about his experience with magic and and angels and also these other entities and and it I'm really connecting what he's saying with what you're talking about and there's so many opportunities here and I think that's what people need to know that are listening tonight there's a lot of opportunity to really break free and I I really oh, like what yeah. you said too about these darker entities and forces that have lost their connection to source. And so they're disenfranchised. And like you said, they're just feeding off of other people because they've lost that connection to the source. So it's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. Right. And it's just like when we serve our um, ego and when we serve our negative ego, it suppresses our higher consciousness. It wants to take charge. It wants you know, just the me, me, me attitude is not thinking about what's best for others and what's really best for the self. And so to me, all the dark forces on the planet are really a manifestation of the negative ego that needs to come into alignment. And when it does come into alignment with the higher self, that's where the magic happens. And that's everything about Mars, the solar plexus, 
our third chakra, and it's the willfulness we have, you know, the part of us that has free will, that, you know, sees things in duality, you know, success, failure, good, bad, good, evil. And so the tree of knowledge is all about duality, but once we marry those polarities within ourselves, that's when we restore and upgrade our DNA and we recognize alchemy because, you know, turning lead into gold is certainly not turning away from it. It's embracing it. It's transmuting it. It's giving it its source, just like our physical body needs our immune system to stay healthy. Um, our our uh, energy bodies need our higher self to stay clear of parasites and entities. So it's, it's you know, healing and and. The Earth body is going through what we go through, so everything about our galactic history and Earth history has everything to do with what we might go through in our lifetime, as far as similar, you know, metaphors and parallels, um, you know, how the negative ego can split apart the right and left brain and the masculine and feminine. Well, that's exactly what happened, and that's why Atlantis sank, and that's why we ended up in this sort of experience that we've been in for the last 26,000 years, which has everything to do with the grail and the quest for the grail. But for the individual, it's that inner quest. For the control forces, it's the outer quest, you know, to harness power, to take energy, to be in charge, and in dem- to be in control, to be that patriarchal force that's controlling the feminine energy and power and creativity. Wow, this is a lot of information. I am just soaking it in. How about you, Helene? Well, it's amazing, and I think you're incredibly knowledgeable, Laura, and you know, we're thrilled you're on the show, but I'm paying very, very close attention, and I'm wondering if some of the people listening in might want you to go back a couple of steps. (laughs) Sure. I think that some of it is uh, new information for a lot of people. And so I'm wondering if you could just go back to Avalon and give us a Mm -hmm. clear sort of definition of exactly what that was. Well, um, it's definitely some kind of remnant of, an, of Atlantean civilization, uh, settled perhaps by Sumerians, um, and they laid out in, um, in Scotland. Well, it's oh, I'm sorry, Glastonbury, Avalon is in England, but there's links to Ireland as far as the network of archetypal energies and forces, because you know there's the Hill of Tara in Ireland and the Danu energy, um, and then we've got Tintagel Castle, actually. Um, I, people say it differently than me. I, I don't even know how they say it, so people probably don't know what I'm talking about. But that's uh, near Cornwall, and that's mm-hmm. in ruins, of course. But you'll see the labyrinth there as well. And so, you know, even Stonehenge, there's there's a lot of ley lines um, in England and Ireland that represent yes, right. vortexes yeah. that, that connect with spiritual marriage that are all about spiritual marriage and the union of the masculine and feminine. So Stonehenge has actually been infiltrated with negative technology to split apart the spiritual marriage so that the masculine and feminine can't really join up. And so Mm -hmm. people might think that they're just making terrible choices or this is just part of the human dilemma is to be out of balance, but actually we're being heavily manipulated by technologies. And I don't say that to scare anybody because we can hold a much higher frequency than these technologies, but it takes a little bit of extra effort to realize that there is something in place. Lisa Renee talks about it. It's called the Nephilim Reversal Grid, and it's been placed in Stonehenge. And what it does is it siphons energy and, and, and sources out of different Stargate hot spots around the world where a lot of dark stuff and rituals is happening in order to pull that energy in and uh, control the grids, control us, and and it's really the mind control agenda. And so, you know, Glastonbury um, is a huge spot for for that sacred marriage, but Mm -hmm. Stonehenge is where uh, the technologies have been placed. And so, but Glastonbury, which is considered the Isle of Avalon, um, yeah, that's in England, and it's a place Mm -hmm. that's considered where the goddess tradition is, um, 
It's where the uh, labyrinth is, and it's also the mm -hmm. same labyrinth that the Cretan coin has and that mm -hmm. the Hopis also used the mm -hmm. labyrinth. And uh, there's legends there connected to, you know, Christ, to Joseph of Arimathea, bringing the Holy Grail there and uh, finding right. um, the first chapel. And also mm -hmm. the burial place of King Arthur and Guinevere um, is also there. And it's considered also the heart chakra of the planet. So lots of different myths, lots of different things, mm -hmm. you know, over time. But this was mm -hmm. also when the fairy realms and the elven realms were strong. But one can think of, like, the... <laughs> just like aristocracies and those certain bloodlines that are very mm -hmm. in that entitlement mentality that drove it all underground. But there is mm -hmm. a lot of underground activity to this day, of course, and people hear about Talos and Mount Shasta. I mean, there's all sorts of underground stuff happening, but there's a major split with our ability to connect to that and the higher dimensions, which is mm -hmm. what we're restoring through the inner work. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, so Avalon... Inner... Oh, go ahead. Now, I just think that as you're talking about this, my sense, my intuitive sense of Avalon is that it was not a segmented society, which is what we have now and what we had after Avalon. It, it just feels much more fluid, the connection to the fairy realm, the elven area, I mean, the, the elven population. It just flowed from one to another. And again, with that, the magic. I mean, it was... It was a whole different feel to this culture that existed in Avalon. That's how it feels to me. Right, definitely. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, there, there's, it's considered that there's a group of 913 or 19 maidens or fairy queens that are from there that still, you know, have a strong energetic imprint there. And their names are, you know, names of the goddess. And their names are like Anu, Danu, Morgane, Maedron, uh, Ariadne, Caridwin, Rhiannon, um, Bridget, Hecate, Magdalena, um, you know, Vivian, Gwenifar, you know, and uh, and then, you know, everything about the Kernunos and the Green Man is also connected to this. So much was a lot about ritual, but not ritual like we see it today. It had a lot to do with entering the underworld and being initiated and, and, and reborn. And this is when duality wasn't completely split apart, but the goddess was like a triple aspect. She had the underworld womb, she had the earth, and then the higher cosmic womb, her heavenly essence. And so those that honored the goddess um, and were connected to their integrity and the higher use of nature as um, energetic forces for use of, you know, magic, because we're all magical beings and we all have intentions and we do magic constantly. We just don't realize our thoughts and our words are so powerful that we could have more control over what we manifest if we really tried. But then um, there was a vast difference between how the light and the dark were used. And um, this is when things started to really get polarized uh, soon after that. Um, so this because polarization, this, but this mm -hmm. polarization that occurred, um, it, it feels like what you're describing, it sounds like what you're describing is this polarization then drove these other uh, realms away and underground or whatever you want to call it. But when you started talking about the king, did you say the, the kings and the queens? Is that what you were saying of the fairy and elven worlds? Is that what you said? Cause something really. Well, I said the maidens you. and the fairy, the maidens and the fairy queens. I was only talking about the females, and then I brought in the the masculine, because like a, the green man and Kernuna. What I I just want to ask you is this: it's there's something very powerful in what you just said, and uh -huh. it's what it's bringing up for me intuitively is. 
the fact that they want the energy directed at them. They want the attention on them so they can come forward again. And it's, again, this has been so hidden. And this is why I want to draw this information out tonight. This is a very powerful moment when everybody in our audience can learn about this and can can put their attention on these these beings, these entities that lived in this other time and apparently are still with us today, but they're just hidden. There's something in that that feels like it could be very healing for all of us. I can't go yeah, beyond I mean, it except to say that, and maybe you can fill in the blanks. Oh, well, that's awesome. I just love it. Um, well, you know, to me, all these archetypes are within us. That's what the Zodiac represents. And, you know, Glastonbury was, you know, a layout of the Zodiac, um, the way the stones were formed and everything. There's a woman in the 1920s who discovered this, and she has quite a background. I won't get too much into it right now because I don't have um, a ton of information about it, but I believe her name was Catherine Maltwood, and um, this was in the 1920s that she discovered that it was a, a layout of the Zodiac. So if one considers that it's also the body of the goddess and also where the power center of spiritual marriage is, and that we're made of all, all these different archetypes, then really the journey is about retrieving all our aspects back into wholeness. And that's why this teaches us so much about what we're really made of. And what the goddess also represents is, you know, maiden, mother, and crone, but also the seasons. And, you know, just that journey into the underworld and up again, you know, Demeter and Persephone. And to really understand alchemy, we have to understand that we're made of earth, air, fire, water. And the pentagram connects to this. So when the pentagram is pointed downward and inverted, it's like going into the underworld, but that's where the forces don't come up again. They don't rise like the morning and evening star. They hold the mother uh, womb captive in a sense, or they you, they become like these gatekeepers, and they start to prevent her energy from being able to regenerate herself, and it keeps us disconnected from the earth. And that's why humans seem so divorced from nature, because they don't have their feet really on the ground. They've given that power away. And so for us to get it back, we have to understand the power of the earth, you know, the central sun within the earth, and the fact that it's the mother womb. Um, and but so really that's, what you know, you're saying, again, I want to I go back to what you said, and because it's so important to everybody in our audience tonight. It, you're talking about retrieving, is what you said retrieving mm-hmm. all these parts of ourselves, all these aspects of ourselves, that's where the real power is. And we've we've given up so much from our cultural conditioning and, you know, going to school, all the things that we have to do to kind of live in the society. But there are ways to retrieve these parts. And I think when you were talking about, again, these maidens and all of these other things you were saying, there was something about retrieving that part that feels very, very important, and all these other things. Right. But but mostly that one. That one really stands out in everything that you're saying to me. Oh, cool, right. Yeah, because this is really because, you know, the divine feminine energies are so important to get in touch with and, and to understand. And so going into the underworld where the inverted pentagram kind of keeps one locked, either in that darkness or the amnesia of what that power really represents through giving it away by those that have sort of taken – over the Stargates or who are trying to. And the Stargates really represents being able to shift to higher Earth energies. Um, and so if we can't complete the circle, the initiation, because death is cyclical, then we may remain trapped in the transformation process and we get sort of lost. And that's why, you know, we give our power to the medical industry and to doctors and to lawyers and to everything but ourselves because, in a sense, we're trapped in the transformation process. If we could just trust ourselves a little bit, then we'd emerge just, you know, totally transformed. So the pentagram that isn't 
um, pointed downwards, that's actually pointed upright, is when we, you know, who are made of earth, air, fire, and water, the four elements, when we are connected to our higher self, that represents the fifth element, which is the quintessence, which is also connected to the goddess, and that's the ether. And that's when the alchemy happens, and that's what we need to do, is when we retrieve all these different aspects of ourselves, we can simplify it and say, okay, well, we know we're made of earth, air, fire, water. You know, we all have zodiac signs and charts that represent how it's all kind of arranged in our chart. But we also, like based on the tarot deck, have 78 different archetypes that have all been fragmented. And through studying these sort of things, we can get more familiar with the parts of ourselves that are a little bit foreign to us because we might have bought into something from the media or something, you know, passed down through ancestral patterns. And so this is why the number 4, 7, and 12 are so significant, 4 being the seasons, 7 being the different gates through the underworld to reclaim one's power. And, I mean, the numbers aren't as important as just understanding what they relate to. And then 12 represents sort of you know, the, the different aspects of the zodiac. And then the 13 is sort of the zero-point energy that frees us from the wheel and all these trials and tribulations that we experience through reincarnating, which is what the last 26,000-year cycle is about. So we've gained a lot more than we even realized just based on the fact that we've been through this time loop, you know, being born and dying and being born and dying, wearing many different hats, till eventually we sort of know which is false and, and we know which is real because we've sort of seen both sides throughout our lifetimes depending on what our agreements are. But then we start to recognize these subpersonalities or all these archetypes and aspects. And for the feminine, she's got so many. I mean, you know, like I listed the fairy queens, and but they're all aspects of the goddess. When she was whole, um, you know, she was androgynous. It was the mother-father trinity uh, with the child being the Christ energy. Anytime the masculine and feminine are in balance, they birth the magical child, which is that magical flow, which is what keeps that alchemy going. When we're in separation, we birth the negative ego, which is what makes physicality so heavy and dense. And that's why we you know, feel poverty and survival and emotional stress, and we feel powerless because we're locked in our lower chakras. And so when we go through the journey and we're able to rise again and we wake up, which means we're not stuck in the transformation um, because we're not you know, giving our power away and, and, and we are in recognition of the fact that we need to sort of trust ourselves and we rise, um, that's when we really free ourselves regardless of what we see around us. We are on a completely different level and playing field than we were before. And so, so we're, talking, um, we're talking kind of yeah. in a, a nice overview for everybody of, again, the mysteries of Avalon and also what that means to us today and retrieving all parts of ourselves. And I'm sure people in the audience would love to know there's many paths to self-retrieval. And are there any that you particularly in your life found to be most powerful and that you would suggest other people look into? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a very sort of random person. I don't, I'm not as disciplined maybe as I'd like to be, so I don't have you know, anything to offer except for just you know, perception. Perception is the great tool to me because that's where we're artists, you know, we can shift our perception, we change our reality. And so self-love is, is critical, you know, trusting the self, you know, detaching mm -hmm. from what everybody else thinks and really looking at energy and asking oneself, is this artificial or is this organic? And, um, you know, if it involves money and if it involves things that didn't come from nature, usually it's sort of part of the programming. doesn't mean it's totally negative because it depends on how we use any tool, including technology. But self-love is really great because, it allows one to integrate all these fragmented parts of ourselves that have been sort of blown apart, you know, due to these cataclysms and what it did right. to the morphogenetic field. Yes. And so for me, um, I turned addictive tendencies into more self-love. I just replaced 
things that were not good for me with things that were good for me. Um, I definitely went on a dark night of the soul journey. I probably cried for 20 years straight. So I didn't medicate myself. People probably thought I should have. <laughs> but I realized, you know, we're made of earth, air, fire, water. So sometimes we got to let our water flow. we got to let our fire rage. we got to let, you know, our earth bodies ground. And we need to let the air aspect just open up to things beyond what we're being taught. And so what I tend to do to help my clients and what I tend to, you know, share as far as a great method is to really get in touch with the four elements because if you suppress them, it's going to throw another one out of balance. It's going to just throw the whole body out of whack and you're going to start to have symptoms. And if you start to have symptoms, you might ignore them and ask a doctor to fix it and they'll give you some drug. It's important to trust the wisdom of the body and to ask, you know, what the symptom is, what it relates to, what element, what experience or trauma or, you know, maybe something from the parents or a past life. And that's how I healed was I just, I didn't go to doctors. I listened to my body and the pain and what it was, you know, showing me and telling me. And I just kept at it for years and years and years until I wrote a book and I was able to just sort of connect it to a lot of uh, things that I've researched. I did the inner work before I did the research, and I only, you know, really found things that resonated to what already made sense to me in a lot of ways. And then, of course, new things I would read, and it would, you know, awaken something that was there, and it felt like, okay, cool. And so, you know, it's important to really know yourself before you dive into too much information because it's easy to get sort of lost in it. Um, so self-love so is, is, a critical, is, is a critical element here to retrieve all parts of the self. It's It's kind of like the central core of what of the energy that you need to bring all of this together. So I like again, I like what you're saying because that self-love is a power that really needs to be honored and again, if people aren't feeling self-love, then you're saying it could be due to a block from parents and uh other lifetimes or things like that, but it is important to reestablish that connection with the self and obviously that has to come first, right? Definitely, definitely, because when that's lacking, you know, you see the world from the outside in, you know, the way others look at you, the way people respond to you. And if you look from the inside out and you're in self-love, you tend to see, you know, the people that are, are honest reflections of who you are, that, that are on the same wing leg, you know. And it's easier to discard those that don't get you because you honor yourself, you know. It's not about what others think of you or getting validation from outside yourself. It's all about honoring the temple, honoring yourself trusting your path and your journey and, um, you know, not feeling, you know, the need to judge it, whether there's a lot of people in your life or there's no one in your life or you've failed at something or succeeded at something, to get out of sort of the ego judgment and to look at it as an experience where you honor, you know, both the good and the bad or the not so fun or, um, you know, the friends that come and the friends that go and you just honor all of it and, and then it's just you're, you're experiencing life on a different level and it's one of growth and transformation rather than, you know, feeling lack of self-worth or a lot of confidence because, you know, of achievements that come and go, you know, then we're on a roller coaster for the rest of our lives. You know, we either feel great or we don't. But when we detach from that aspect of us and we go into self-love, then we're more neutral and we can just appreciate everything and, and, and we can not be the product of duality. We can be the observer of duality from a neutral, balanced place. And then our world starts to unify, and we start to recognize that we're an instrument of creating unity consciousness. We're not waiting for somebody to snap their fingers and say, oh, it's time. We recognize that we're co-creating this, and that helps us step in our purpose and our self-responsibility, which makes self-love even more fun because it's not just a state of mind. You're actually healing the planet. And then you feel that pride of, wow, you know, you're making a difference. 
and and you cover everything. You 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 resolve health issues. You have better partnerships, better friends. You're true to yourself, and maybe a few will listen, maybe they won't, but that's okay. And everything starts to fall in place, and that's really the biggest change for me was when I learned how to love myself. And it, it's been quite a journey to get to that point, but i got to tell you, everything, everything changed, and it was like, wow, that's all I needed. Oh, my gosh. What an epiphany. And so and, and it, yeah. yeah. That's great. I'm sorry, Helene. Go ahead. I was just going to say I so agree with everything that you're saying about self-love. Yeah because I think most of the spiritual people on the planet today and all the women in the West, at least, are trying to teach that to all of humanity. And it's a little bit hard for some people to hear, and other people gravitate towards it and do really well really quickly with it. But I'm going to take this opportunity, Laura, to ask you the name of your book and where people can find it. Well, it hasn't been published. 250 pages of it got uh somewhat sabotaged. I'm not the most technical person. I probably should have backed it up. Um, I had it on a blog, and it was oh, in two different no, places. Oh, no, no, I'm and, sorry. And, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned a book, so I, I thought that I had missed something. Oh, it is, yeah, so I, I, I've reconstructed it, and um, it oh, should good. be out soon. It's called, yeah, it's called The Grail of Venus, mm-hmm. and it's really about what we're talking about. So it's, okay. it's cool and because I don't be on Am- Yeah, it is, it'll probably be on Amazon. But what is your website, Laura? It's Cosmic. GaiaSophia.com Well, thank you yeah, very Sophia. much. And yeah, that's uh, Sophia. I'm sorry, Sophia. We'll say it again after the break, but we are going to use this opportunity to take our break, Laura, and we'll be right back. And please stay tuned for this fascinating discussion with Laura Eisenhower as we continue talking about Mary Magdalene, a fascinating topic. We'll be right back. Call in at 646-478-0828 if you have a question for Laura. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Sometimes life can be a challenge. Would you like insight and guidance to help you make the best choices right now? Contact Helene at angelslighthouse.com to make your personal appointment for a psychic reading or energy alignment. Helene is a direct channel to the angelic realm and is remarkably capable of connecting to the living 
as well as to your loved ones on the other side. Helene is available to clients all over the world via phone or Skype, and it's simple to set up a group reading anywhere. Visit angelslighthouse.com where you'll find an easy way to schedule right online. And while you're there, sign up for the Angels Lighthouse newsletter and receive information on all the free energy circles, giveaways, and jewelry with a message. Visit angelslighthouse.com and contact Helene today. everyone for staying tuned to our fascinating discussion with Laura Eisenhower. Please call in live on the air at 646-478-0828. We'd love to hear your question for Laura. And we do have a couple of callers on the line right now, and so we will get to you momentarily. But, uh, Laura, could we go back on a subject that's been fascinating me recently about Mary Magdalene? Uh, could you explain why that topic has been really in the forefront? There's been a lot of spiritual people posting about it and about the Vesica Pisces portal and so forth. Can you comment on that at all? Yeah, well, I think, you know, this is just a huge piece to understanding, uh, you know, the goddess energy and her story. She's connected to the Venus archetype, and, you know, the Vesica Pisces is the masculine and feminine together, which create that third um energy which is the magical child so the vesica pisces um you know really you know there's there's a lot of that symbolism in in glastonbury Mm -hmm. so uh i mean there's a revival of any energy that i think needs to be woken up um in in certain circles so Mm -hmm. i think that that's why that's happening I, i i remember a big flood of books came out Gosh, in the early 2000, maybe 2003, and I've just sort of been keeping my eye on it, and um, and and now a lot more about her is is being expressed mm-hmm. about her, you know, about her, the fact that she's the embodiment of Sophia, the Shekinah, and you know the role she plays in creating sacred union and the Heros Gamos, and what that history is connected with, with all the different archetypes that have manifested um, along this lineage, you know, connected to the Magdalene. So. You know, I just think that this is really just what the planet needs more than anything right now is that recognition of the divine feminine, but not as somebody outside themselves, but, you know, we all have that energy within us, too. There's always, you know, characters in our history, though, that are living the soul story that we're all living on the inside to help market um, as a template for us to be guided by and, 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 and to be in remembrance of, which, which is what her story does represent. It. That's a great way of putting it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Would you mind taking a call now, Laura? Sure. Okay, we're going to welcome Stan in Chicago. And Stan, you're live on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, make a comment about the uh, self-love business. Uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, one of my Facebook friends uh, sent me a link to Laura's work, and I listened to an interview with her and it was really instrumental and 
reminding me that I needed to love myself. And so that's just an issue that is not related to gender at all. And, uh, you know, so I just kind of called a thank you for that because it was very helpful. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad. Yeah. Very sweet, Stan. Thank you so much for listening and calling in tonight. Thank you, Stan. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. What a lovely remark. It's and um, what he oh, said is nice. so true. I mean, it is not gen. This is this is nothing to do with gender. This is nothing to no. do with with that at all. And I'm so glad that Stan shared that comment. That's great. It's male, female, doesn't matter. Self love is very important. Well, definitely, I think definitely. until yeah, I mean, until we can value ourselves, it's very hard to value everyone else around us and to extend love into the universe and all around the planet, right? So. Yep, and yeah, definitely. And you know, when people just sort of compare themselves to others, and competition happens when you don't love yourself. And I mean, we all have profound gifts. We all have you know really unique roles, but we all share this oneness as well. And to me, you know, diversity and harmony is that oneness. Mm-hmm. It's like the web of life. You know, we all might do something different, like a bird compared to a dolphin, but it's all connected like a mandala. So. Every role is important. Nobody should try and be like anybody else. Maybe we, you know, we can be inspired to to be in our truth, but we don't need to adopt anybody else's. Even if it's a universal truth that resonates, it's the way you know we conduct ourselves that brings us health and well-being on our own terms. That is the truth that works for us. Thank you, Laura. And now we're going to say hello to Maynan from Quebec, Canada. And Maynan, you are live on the air. I, hello, hello. hello. I, 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 first, I'm sorry for my bad English. I'm French. We can understand you. <laughs> okay, okay. I I want to thank both of you. I know Laura because I know her because I I listen a lot of uh, things she she tells and mm. I'm I'm. Oh my goodness! I searched my word, but okay. okay. I want to know about the sexual um, sacred sexual. Okay, what do you have uh-huh. to tell about implants? Because I know it's I have an, an implant in my sacred uh, chakra. That's why mm-hmm. I I have uh, stopped my sex and all the tenderness since 2008. And I know it's somebody put a spell, big spell on me, and I don't know how to to recuperate, to heal that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really connected person. I, I can connect myself, but with that sex, sexual uh, chakra, I... What, I'm stuck, and mm-hmm. I, I, I can't create. Uh, I cannot create anything. I stopped in my life, you know, because of that. I, do you understand what my point? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I do. So well, thanks what, for sharing that. So, what, like solution type things? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I it's, need it's solution. It's, it's, Help. Right. Well, I mean, it can depend on the individual. A lot of times, you know, like, 
plants and chemtrails and all the different things that we see as far as intrusions on a technological level, um, yes. you know, need need to be worked with um, in a way that helps us to see that we can hold a much higher frequency than, than those energies. But what they usually plug into is a trauma or where we feel fragmented or a little bit split. Um, and when we already have an emotional wound and there's like an implant, the two sort of feed each other. And actually the emotional wound or the energy of the being can actually make that implant or... Um, uh, yes, that's my disturbance. It, it can make it grow, yeah. And it can actually make it grow and actually have tentacles. And, yes, and, I... And the thing well, is... Yeah, if mm-hmm. I go in the 3D with the emotional uh, drama... I'm stuck in it. I have to put myself higher, like, you know, connect myself with my higher self. And mm-hmm. in that place, I can be really good, but I cannot meet anybody because I have the desire inside of me a lot, but I'm stuck mm-hmm. because I'm, I I'm start crying because I have the desire to make love yeah. with another L- person. Laura, Laura, do you... Do you work with people to remove these things or not? Well, it's kind of hard to do it over the phone, but um, I uh, I can definitely, you know, counsel on it. I mean, because it really is connected to the nervous system. It's connected to the chi energies. And I know how, you know, implants can grow because of our consciousness or some of the wounds that we have, and I can help a person understand where those initial imprints or traumas, you know, came from or stem from even in past lives and can get, like, the person in more control um, in order to deactivate the implants and make them neutralized. Uh, so mm-hmm. I would suggest uh, maybe getting a hold of me. Uh, you can find um, information about my readings on uh, my website. Yes, I, I, I have one readings with you before. I know. I think you, we, I did a reading for you in person at the Awaken Aware conference, right? No, on the phone. Okay, on the phone. I was going to say, because you sound really, really familiar, like this woman I read... Um, so we did one on the phone, and maybe we just need to do a check-in and see what's going on. Yes, did, I don't think course. we did it around, yeah, we might not have focused completely and I totally didn't, on this. I, I didn't keep in touch with you because my bad English, and I, you know, <laughs> I have too much to share, but I can't speak, you know. I have too right. much to share to the world, but I can't speak. Mm. Okay, well, let's Trisha? definitely um, get in touch with each other then. Yeah, we we yeah, because implants feed on anything addiction addictive, and 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 if you're self sabotaging, if you say I feel I want something yes, that I can't yes, have, I have one you want to start change, yeah, yeah, you want to start changing your languaging um, because you don't want to keep empowering something that can be loosened up with your you know consciousness and your faith and just your trust and your positive energy and you know you just want to keep you know, doing that, because consciousness is going to trump it. It's much more powerful. And that's you know, I, can... I have a hard uh, a hard time this life, because since I have one uh, eight months, years old, okay, only eight months, I remember the first beat that I had from my father. Mm. So I remember oh, that, you know, so very I know, so. no, I, I know I have, a lot to do, but I'm stopped. <laughs> but I'm, I'm stuck. I'm tough, you know. Uh, I fight. I'm well, the light worker. I hope that you, 
I hope that you reach out, Maynan, and, and talk to Laura again, and perhaps she can help you with your consciousness and uh, help remove this implant for you, okay? And we thank you so much for the call. Thank you, Maynan. Thank you, both of you. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Good night. It's very difficult to talk to people about energetic uh, implants and so forth, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little tricky over the phone because, mm-hmm. you know, it connects to so many things. And some some people just, and I'm not saying her, but, you know, like to blame it on the implant and forget that we have the ability to deactivate these things. And so she sounds like she gets that. And so it'll it'll probably, you know, won't maybe be too difficult to, to work with her. So uh, I'm sure I'll hear from her. Yeah. That was a nice call. We have another caller on the line. Is that okay, Laura? Sure. Okay, we're going to welcome Robbie from Richmond, Virginia. Hello, Robbie. You're live on the air with Laura Eisenhower. Hey, y'all. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Laura, I've only been following you for a couple months, but I listened to your interview with Dane Wigington. I think that was great. I think it's really important that people get that message. I'm actually the host for the the Richmond March Against Geoengineering, so I just want to thank you for for letting me on your show and for the lecture you did at the Consciousness Beyond Chemtrails. I think that's great. I'll get to my question now, though, and a lot of people grow up with a Christian background. I just want to know what your thoughts are about about the the patriarchy and its influence on, on consciousness on this planet in regards to Jesus and things like that. I think I think you know a lot of people are like, you know, Jesus is it. That's 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 the deal right there. And I think it, uh for me personally, I think it's a stumbling block and it has been for me. And I wonder what your thoughts are that uh, are on that and and what just what you think of that. Like how how you think Jesus in, informs uh the patriarchy. Right. Okay. So basically Religion is very distorted. Um, there's a lot that hits a nerve of truth with people because, of course, the Christ energy and Magdalene's included, and, you know, there's references to the feminine, but it doesn't tell the real story. There's a lot of manipulation about the crucifixion, um, and that goes into just so many aspects that would just be a whole show in and of itself to even go there. But let me just share a quote. And it's from the book, The Goddess Sophia, and it's basically a quote from the Logos from the Christ Energy. And it says, they say I came for all, but in truth I came for her who came for all. For it had come to pass that there were those who had lost their way, and lacking in spark could not return into the fullness. Seeing this, she came unto them, them, giving her life to the depths of matter. And in truth she did suffer and become blind. But our Father, sensing her anguish, sent me forth, being of him, so that she might see and we be as one again. Though they see it not, it is she, the tender mother of mercy, who is the great redeemer. So from what I understand, and this is before I read this quote, the Christ energy, Jesus, as a man, always honored the feminine. He came to this uh, particular earth density because of the feminine, because she had come in and the Sophia had morphed into the physical body and then manifested herself as a personification of the earth on this Venus path you know, going through the underworld and back up again, which are all the stories of the myths of the divine feminine, whether it's Persephone and Demeter or Inanna or Magdalene. And so the Christ energy, you know, really understood this. And in a sense, they were like twin flames um, because in the Pleroma, uh, they had a similar relationship to the Holy Spirit as far as the central universe. And that's a whole other story. But what religion has done is it's put the Christ energy on the cross 
and that we're all born with original sin yeah. and we need to repent. And that's like couldn't be further from the truth. Um, in fact, it's the fallen angelic realms that are a part of the creation of religion that have this facade of what it means when people first encounter it on the outside. But if you look at the underbelly, it's been infiltrated. It's been taken over by negative beings. It's all very patriarchal. It didn't start off as bad as it is, and it's it, it's mm-hmm. far worse now than the original intention. Um, the church was considered Mary Magdalene, and that pretty much got... Uh, uh, taken over, you know, Peter even, you know, in those stories, you know, took over the church. Um, And, you know, this has to do with the quest for the Holy Grail, is the masculine does not want to be in unity with the feminine because we have a false creator God. We have sort of this false father God that is not interested in union, and it's standing in place of the real father God. And so the false father God is the God of the Old Testament, the one that says there's no other gods before me. He completely discounts and so in the New Testament, when we hear about Christ, he's the great redeemer, but he's a redeemer because he helps connect us to the feminine. He helps to restore our knowledge of her. But then that got completely um, written out and confused. But, you know, in the Nag Hammadi and in a lot of ancient texts, it talks about, you know, Christ's understanding of Sophia and the myth of Sophia. And he really did come to unite with the Magdalene energy to also seed um, their, their genetic line. Um, and the church just likes us to see a savior as a masculine. They want us to worship the father God. They want us to see the feminine as a prostitute that got healed by Christ. But in actual fact, you know, she was devastated and having a really difficult time, and he did show up and help her. But that's just a small part of the story compared to what she's really, really all about. Um, and this is why the understanding of sacred union is so important, because those forces married within us, the original father God to the mother God, creates that Christ energy, which is connected to the Holy Spirit, which is also connected to the Shekinah, which is the androgynous energy that birthed the mother and father. And so when those energies are split apart is where this Luciferian sort of, you know, dark negative ego comes in, which is also a part of the creation of religion and um, these false stories to keep us in worship and to also put the father before the mother, when in actual fact it's all about unity, it's all about the balance, and um, the church doesn't recognize that. But... I have to appreciate that the church does recognize the importance of marriage, but with the level of control that they have, control over the woman's body and her choices and, you know, their rules, you know, it it ends up becoming about false law and false human laws, not cosmic law and natural law, which is what the goddess connects with. And, And Christ understood that. So religion is a very, very, very poor representation of the real story, and it's totally for means of control. Wow, that's excellent, Laura. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you you being able to put this into words for us because I think a lot of people oh, really are on the same page with this, you know, and and you're a wealth of knowledge. I, I just want to thank you for, for taking the time to, oh, to do gosh. it. You know? <laughs> oh, wow. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. And and if you've been trying to get in touch with me, try again and, and just uh, put a big, like, you put it in bold print so I know it's you. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, definitely. We're friends. I think we're – well, actually, no, your friend um, – I'm a follower of you on Facebook. So I'll definitely send you a message, though. I'll stay in touch. Uh, it was good talking to you. Okay. Okay, great. You, too. Take care. Bye. Thank you for the call, Bye. Robbie. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Robbie. Yeah. So this, again, continues with so much more information. We're covering a great amount of ground here. And and one of the things, Laura, I would love for you to address, because it's a great mystery, and I think it's one of the most important mysteries, is the grail itself. There's been a lot of conjecture and, and theorizing about what it is. So can you enlighten us as to what you feel 
the Grail is all about in legend and history and truth? What is it? Okay, well, that's, you know, one of those questions. Um, and the best way to really understand it is to think in terms of the whole planet and the mother womb as being the creative energy, and that's the vessel. The physical body is a vessel, and it holds the blood of our higher consciousness, of the Christ consciousness. And so when you see, like, religion ritual um, do the whole breaking of the bread and, you know, the cup that signifies, you know, the grail holding the blood of Christ, it really represents the physical body as the container for spirit. Um, and so it could be, you know, the Christ consciousness. But people go even further saying, you know, the, the, blood, the, the holy grail bloodline um, is the Christ bloodline. But what people sort of miss is that it's not just about bloodline or else it would be very elitist for a particular bloodline to say, well, I'm the Christ bloodline and you're not. That's not the way those energies work at all. Um, everybody really has the chosen one and the Savior within them. To me, those energies are love and wisdom. And we are the vessel to hold the energy of Christ consciousness. And that, that happens with the balancing of the masculine and feminine energy. So when we really understand that, we have found the Holy Grail. And when we really um, embody that and create that alchemy, we assist in our own uh, energies opening up to higher earth energies because we are stargates, but helps the planet. There's something called the stellar activation cycle that we're in right now, uh, which represents the natural stargates on the planet opening up. This is why there's been so much attention on the 2012 period and why the control forces and the Illuminati and all the different things connected to chemtrails and geoengineering um, have amped up their agendas around this time as well. But they're competing for the Holy Grail, which are the stargates of the planet, which are our natural energies on a higher chakra level. They want that energy for them. And so there's the real Grail quest, which is our inner discovery and understanding of what the metaphors mean on an internal level. I'm trying to explain the beginning of the show, and I realize I'm going too far too fast. Um, and I do well, that. again, you know, if, we, then, if you look at what we've been taught about and told about the Holy Grail, is that it's an object is that it is a cup or it's a bowl or a plate if you know if you're looking at the historical information even in, in our movies Indiana Jones and you know the Raiders of the Lost Ark I mean you're talking about this being an actual object that has been sought over and over again and so what you're saying if I'm understanding this correctly is it's not an object it's a no, state and of being and, and, and Right, but it's it's the same sort of thing as, uh, you know, technology is an object, but where does it come from? It comes from uh, an ability, a spiritual ability that we already have, you know, and this is where it becomes externalized. The Merkaba has been externalized into what a UFO is, you know. It's a light body that is now a vehicle, which is now a technology. And so the grail has been externalized from being within us to an object outside of us. And that's why these stories are told, because it keeps us, in the same way religion does, in keeping things outside of us so that we're searching for things that have nothing to do with what's inside. And that's the reversal of the ascension. That's that's part of the theater to keep us not with our own personal transformation. Now, the, the, the grail as far as uh, the object um, is also similar to like Ormus, you know, the white powder gold, which creates uh, an upgrade in DNA, but it's not done through the natural soul alchemy that can do the exact same thing and even more beneficial for the health um, because there's, you know, often these substances can be tinkered with and toyed with and they can actually be dangerous. 
And same with technologies. It can be in the wrong person's hands. So the more we can take responsibility in seeing these outer metaphors or symbols as things we have inside of ourselves, then we get our architecture and template activated that is all about being the real container, which is the grail, to hold the higher consciousness, which would be the content in grail, which is, you know, the, the divine feminine and masculine merge together, and that marriage creates the Christ energy, which is the blood of Christ, which would be the bloodline. So anybody who gets activated becomes that bloodline. It doesn't matter who you're related to, you know, who you were in a past life even. It's just about an activation because we all have the divine trinity template. That's what we originally were seated with. And then, you know, the Anunnaki and just these other races tinkered with our DNA, and they say that they're our creators, but they're not. They're the same ones responsible for all these stories and myths that make these things separate than than us, which are, you know, they're a cup. Or, you know, even um, the quest for the Holy Grail is a patriarchal quest when they when they talk about it in these stories, but they, they make it sound like a great fairy tale. But when we, you know, find that these metaphors are inside of us and we're, we, we, we really understand, you know, the true story, but it's not handed to us in that way. Right. So this is, again, a very important piece of information for everybody in our audience. And what you're saying is that everybody has the opportunity to become a part of this this sacred lineage. So it really doesn't matter if you are a genetic descendant of any of these uh, these people. What matters is how you transform yourself. And once you do, you automatically become a member of this lineage, if I understand what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like the Grail, the, the Holy Grail, and, and the tools that were, you know, somewhat more externalized, you know, had to do all um, with uh, what they have, have have mimicked from us. And so that's a lot of the manipulation about bloodlines and just, you know, the Illuminati that puts themselves on a pedestal as being sort of these chosen ones um, were actually hybrids that the reptilians ended up possessing because they didn't want to be um, on a redemption path or on an ascension path. You know, Laura, I'm hearing some other... feedback on your phone. I, I don't know if you need to move to a different area, but it's almost like somebody else is talking at the same time you are. Are you hearing that also, Helene? Oh. Oh yes. Are you there, Laura? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, there's some call back big interference on your line. Call back in right now. I'm going to hang up on Laura so she can call back in. Okay. Wow, wow that was wow. very weird. It was like somebody else was talking was underneath what negative. she was saying. It was, it was very negative energy, and it really um, was. So I'm, I'm I had glad. To hang that up. Yeah, I'm glad she's Whoa, going to be calling us. Whoa, let's all clear right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what an exciting night, my goodness. <laughs> the light and the darkness all together. Okay, I see Laura's back on the phone, on the okay. uh, line right now. Let me get Laura back on. Welcome back, Laura. Hello? Hello. Oh, hi, sorry about that. Hello? Has that happened to you before? Uh, not that often, but it's okay because I have this backup. So, Can you know, you it, it would be it'd be interesting for you to replay the show where this where this part happened because it really did sound like there was somebody else talking um, underneath your your words. It was very bizarre. Oh, that's weird. 
Yeah, I think you should listen to it. I'm certainly going to listen to it again. <laughs> so I'm not. We're having our own paranormal experience right I'm live not on the show. I'm listening to it again, Laura, because I have to tell you that there was another entity there talking, and it wasn't a good yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, right. A lot of people like to, you know, every time there's technological disturbances, a lot of times it ends up, you know, that people think that. But I know that the uh, the um, connection isn't the greatest on this particular computer. I tried to use a different one, but I used a different port. Um, I don't know if anything else was... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, take a listen. Well, I, because, I, but... I, talked to, I talked to lots of beings, Laura, <laughs> and that wasn't a person, okay? <laughs> yeah, so that wasn't. I'm just telling you that it it was something that you should look at because it wasn't a person. Hmm, okay. I'll, I'll check okay. it out. Yeah, and, um, and it was in our interference. Audience. I'm not saying that it was with you specifically. I'm just saying that it was definitely interference on what you were speaking about. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That that happens. Um, I'll check right. it out. <laughs> yeah, and everybody but you in the audience. Listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, should listen to this. <laughs> this is. This is uh, live on the air. I don't think anybody air. should listen to it, Patricia. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that for people who want to know, is this stuff real? Here's a real example of it. God, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just head. saying it's a real example. I'm, I think everyone should listen to the show and just skip over those few seconds. It was really negative. Oh, goodness me. Gee, Laura, you are the most exciting guest we've ever had. Yes, really. Oh, that's fun. Well, back to the grail, okay? Uh, because again, I find this this whole subject so fascinating. I mean, what do you recommend for your clients in terms of this wonderful and beautiful and powerful image? I mean, do you recommend that they meditate on the image and and kind of try to internalize this image and feel what it means for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just just focus on. I mean, what the real cross is, is the rod and staff. It's the feminine and masculine joined together. And, you know, anything that can really represent the coming together of the male and female within yourself is pretty much the most powerful thing you can do. Because when you think about it, the negative technologies are all about conquer and divide and to split us apart. And even war and all the false flags that we see are so that we carry historical resentments against each other so that we can never be unified. And and nothing is really real that we're seeing in our reality um, except for this agenda to, to, to pull us apart and to pull relationships apart and to pull us apart from our higher self and our internal balance. So it's the most important thing to focus on right now is the reconnection of these energies and imagine them dancing together. Imagine everything, every aspect of yourself just in the same room with each other, all in dialogue, embracing and loving each other and accepting one another. You know, because higher consciousness, the way it works in the, 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 the human body, when, when one's in balance and in touch with this part of who they are, the physical body's in balance, and everything is ordered, you know, and, you know, if the lungs and the heart start to, to war each other and fight, then the physical body's going to fall apart, and so the whole of creation is a body. All the different star systems and energies and beings and races are like different parts of the body, and there's been so much war, cosmic battles, battles on Earth, and it, 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 it's, it's in our hands to be able to unify these energies by first unifying within them, within ourselves, because even though it's as above, so below, it's also as, as below, so above. You know, when we sort it out, we send out a frequency that actually heals these fragments and e- even just detoxifies cells and anything that's been in separation. 
And so when we work our reality from the inside out, we can shift the reflection. If we, if we wait for something outside of ourselves to do it and we're just waiting and hoping that something is going to fix itself and, and we don't step up, then we're not doing anything. So this becomes a powerful uh, meditational tool in some ways. And you know, with the grail, too, when when you envision the grail, I mean, are you seeing a cup that actually is that has something in it? And is it the Ormus or is it liquid or I mean I'm just getting as specific as I can because I think it helps people to imagine what what they want to internalize. I mean, what is there something in the cup? Yeah, I don't see I don't see any of that stuff. I see the underworld womb of the mother. I see the earth and I see her higher and I just see the consciousness of everything and that she's just in her power and that you know everything's functioning. We're in a 15 dimensional universe. With uh, three, or excuse me, five harmonic universes, three being related to physical matter, and so, I mean, that's what I see. Is I see everything in balance, and the the goddess in her power again, birthing, you know, energies based on you know the mother father being in union. So these symbols and these things um, are are visualizations that we can have as long as we understand what it means on an inside level. Because when we embody the solution and we embody the way our creation should look, then that's the energy that we're putting out there. Just like, you know, the physical body. We can either be the immune system or we can be the disease. We can either identify more with the problem, more with the, um, you know, programming, or we can identify with what's organic and what's real. And so, you know, the real Holy Grail is the birthing mother, you know, and the seminal spark of the father that plants the seed within her. So when we look at it on a micro level, we can see our light and dark bodies like this. Our darkness is the fertile womb, it's the fertile soil, and it receives the seeds of our higher consciousness, and it creates more enlightened realities and experiences for us to live. And on a larger level, this is happening. Um, It's happening with the different alignments. Uh, The Venus transits um, have been creating this alchemy, cosmically speaking. So we just need to get out of our negative ego to be able to receive this gift. And also, I want to share something, some wisdom from Helene about the emotional body, which I think is a very important piece of this. And, you know, Helene, what you once shared is this is the only place where you can really experience emotion. So people who think, I'm going to pass over and I'll deal with it later on this, you know, when I pass into spirit, that doesn't happen. This is the only place where you can work out the emotional issues that you need to work out. And what I'm also hearing in what you're saying is to bring this into balance, you need to also bring your emotional self into balance and be able to take a step back, not be so reactive. And and that takes a lot for people to do. That doesn't come naturally, and we're certainly not trained how to do that in school. So that's another very important piece of what I'm hearing you're sharing uh, tonight to everybody. All of these things have to be in balance. When you talk about earth, air, fire, and water, the water is the emotional part of that. And this is our opportunity. Helene, you've said this so many times, and you're so right. This is the place to do your emotional work and really take emotional responsibility, really learn how to work with your feelings in a positive way. Got a great opportunity to do it here on planet Earth. A lot of people, unfortunately, I think, come to this planet and then run as far and as fast as they can away from their own emotions. And they're missing. They're missing a lot of the fuel that could bring them to the Holy Grail. Absolutely. And, 
you know, that's the thing, too, with what we're seeing on the planet, um, with all the contamination of the waters and all the spraying in the sky and how the earth has been leached of all her resources and how, you know, the fire element has been tinkered with and creating nuclear energy and the atomic bomb and stuff like that. And so but when we, you know, clean ourselves from the inside and we let our negative ego be purified and we turn it to our higher consciousness, so, that it, so our ego can be guided by our higher consciousness, we purify our elements. We clean our emotional body. We clear and restore, you know, our physical body. We, um, you know, utilize the fire energy without misusing it. You know, instead of raging on everybody or getting angry and becoming a victim, that fire element can be turned to passion and inspiration to do one's mission. And, you know, when we do that inner work, we actually purify the elements um, of the planet. Because the Earth responds to us. We, we tend to think that we're just here on this planet and we're destroying the planet and we need to, you know, go out and physically clean it up. We actually have to internally clean it up because Earth in nature is a manifestation of our soul, Earth, air, fire, water. And so when we connect with our soul essence, which is those four elements, and we clear our negative ego, which contaminates it, then we clear our elements and we clear the planetary um, pollution and toxicity. And it also helps us to emerge into the higher earth energies, and the physics are different there. We don't store toxins as easy. We are able to transmute things very quickly. So even simply having the mindset and understanding of this pulls us into those higher uh, dimensions where the physics is different, which is why all this can be transmuted. We can't do that when we're in fear. We can't do that when we're in emotional reaction or when we're, you know, out to conquer or out to just, you know, trash ourselves with our, you know, low self-esteem. I mean, none of that works. So it's, it's, it's that devotion to stepping it up and then watching the magic happen by doing the inner work on a daily basis to clear our inner elements, which clear the outer. Now, you offer uh, private sessions for clients, and they can reach you at your website, which is, if you could tell us again, your website. Yeah, it's um, CosmicDiaSophia.com. Do you also offer classes? For people? Well, I do a lot of events and I do workshops at the events. I'll be doing um, an event uh, August 9th to 11th at uh, Contact in the Desert, uh, Joshua Tree um, Retreat Center, and I'll be doing a workshop. And basically, if you go on my website, if you want to book me to do a workshop or for any consultations or anything in your local community, you know, you can just, uh, you know, get in touch with me for that. That's great. And, you know, I, I don't mean to be too personal here, but I know everybody has their struggles. And I'm sure people have looked at you throughout your life and thought, well, why would she have a struggle? She's the great-granddaughter of a very famous and beloved president. What could possibly be your struggle in life? But clearly you faced, oh. faced quite a few. I'm so glad you asked this. I think people really have a lot of projections and assumptions. First of all, we're not an Illuminati family. Uh, we have no trust funds, so we're not sitting on a lot of money. I think people think I have a lot of money. You know, I've raised twins pretty much by myself. I've been on welfare. I've been on food stamps a good portion of my adult life. I lived on the road a lot. Um, my background was in wilderness education, and I really learned everything from nature. But, yeah, I mean, you know, my mom had a, a couple marriages. Uh, I had, a, you know, I, 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 I had struggles just like everybody else. Um, you know, some abuses and violations that happen outside the family. We don't have to get into that. And then I was recruited to go off planet, and I lived like this double life, you know. It wasn't like family secrets were passed down and we have like this, you know, these great discussions about all the stuff going on in the world. I mean, we definitely are a very loving family. There are really lots of integrity and lots of love, so I feel fortunate for that. 
but I turned down all the opportunities that came along with being an Eisenhower, and I just jumped right into this work, which had a lot to do with, you know, going into the labyrinth, going into, you know, this sort of multidimensional landscape. And I felt like I had physically died, um, and I had to kind of rebirth myself, but it took about 20 years. That's why I was in tears the whole time. And a lot of it had to do with just what I was feeling on the planet. So sometimes it's not about the family, you know, and we weren't, you know, greatly privileged either. And that doesn't mean that one's going to be happy anyway. But sometimes, you know, it's our heart that can cause a lot of turmoil. I mean, I was just, I was a very sensitive being. I felt everything. I was just all about love. And um, I, I, I went through just a lot of emotional pain, just some sadness and grief about the state of things. And uh, I knew that I had a lot to share. Nobody would give me the time of day. I was very ostracized and um, I didn't really have many friends. And at times I did, but it just it felt kind of empty. And I had a lot of addiction problems for a while, you know. Um, I was never really suicidal. But, yeah, yeah, I definitely uh, lots of really challenging relationships. Um, actually, the people that recruited me to go off planet had a list of men that they had sent specifically to screw up uh, things in my life. And um, I was targeted, you know, in a lot of ways. There was a lot of weaponry, psychotronic weaponry, and a lot of things uh, focused on me so that I wouldn't take the path that I've taken. Um, and so a lot of different things happened along the way that I had to really break free of unbelievable curses and spells that I ended up meeting the people that had, had placed it on me and had to have them remove it because I asked to be guided to them and actually, you know, met them and found this out. I mean, it was almost like surreal that all these synchronicities were happening. But, yeah, I mean, there's about a good... 20-year period where it was really, really hard to stay alive, like, energetically. And, um, you know, a lot of it is just being sensitive. If I went along with the programming or just, you know, society's expectations, um, it would be a completely different story. But, you know, when we are on a completely different sort of path, uh, for anybody, it doesn't matter what family you're born into, you're going to be challenged. Um, it's not an easy road, but the beauty is we're all gathering together. We're all relating to each other. We're all sharing our stories. We're all supporting one another with love. And um, I'm definitely not a victim, but it's definitely been challenging. But what I always said to myself was, you know, this is your work. It's just another day in the office. Just keep at it. Um, all sorts of beings tried to kill me. But, you know, I don't, I'm not a victim because, well, there's something in me that maybe invited it or maybe isn't fully healed um, that I need to work on. So I let it always turn into inner work and empowerment and rising above those forces and refusing to be controlled. And I just, I didn't quit. And wow. I know that, like, some of those forces were like, oh, my God, you know, they didn't expect me to, you know, be the way that I was. Um, sometimes what appears to be soft, sweet and vulnerable, you know, <laughs> the Kali force, the fire energy, um, is just a great protector. And I work with a lot of clients and, you know, feeling very fragile, and then something just clicks, and their fire turns on, and they're just a warrior. And so we all got to step into that warrior, spirit warrior side of us. Well, um, you know, I, I've always be, said that it, it's, the best therapist is the person who has gone there themselves. And so yes. certainly that's what you're talking about. You've been there. You've had so many challenges in your life. You've made choices that brought you down certain roads, and, and you fought to have your, to find your way back. And who better to help people than, than someone who's been there like you? Right. Definitely. And so, you know, even when I share philosophies or I write and people say, oh, that just sounds so fluffy. How would you know? It's like, you know, and this isn't just one lifetime. And, you know, being born into this kind of family is not a piece of cake because there's a lot of hidden history. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know about. A lot of people hate him. 
Um, yeah, and, you know, maybe on the surface a lot of, you know, people loved him, but he's caught up in all sorts of crazy historical things connected to extraterrestrials. So, you know, when you don't have a family to talk about with this stuff and you're about to be dragged off to another planet, um, yeah, there, you know, there's, there's a multidimensional uh, quality to, to my experience on, on, on multiple levels. And so when people say I can't do it, I'll never be able to manifest it, I'll never heal, I'm just like, uh-uh, nope. Yeah, I thought that, you know, here and there. But then at the same time I knew, are you kidding me? You know, nobody's going to stop me. Nobody can defeat me. And if people really understand the strength of the human spirit, that power is unlike anything on this earth. And, uh, and the power of love, you know, that, that, that is, those were the things that did it for me. And, um, and nothing else, no other human could help me except for those things. And well, animals, and you have animals tremendous, are very compassionate. You have tremendous exactly. courage. You know, you're facing things uh, that a lot of people face in different ways, but you have tremendous courage. You're saying nothing's going to stop me. You know, I'm going to I'm going to get this together, and that's what you've done. And I also would like to read a quote that I found on your website, which I thought was was just so profound. And when you were talking about your great grandfather, and you said my great grandfather, President Eisenhower, who was also the Army General who led the Allied forces to victory over Hitler battled evil, corrupt powers on Earth and took on some of the most challenging scenarios in history. As I grew up, I could sense that I was completing this battle that has ancient roots. What a beautiful, beautiful a continuation of, you know, from one generation to the other. I just was very touched by what you wrote. Oh, that's so cool. I forgot I wrote that. I, yeah, I really I like that. Um, it's just... I'm like, yep, that's 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 definitely, uh, and that's what I was cluing into as a kid. I'm like, there's some reason I'm in this family. I know I'm not going to be groomed to be a politician, even if they try, you know. And I don't even think a lot of my family members really understand what the military-industrial complex really represents. You know, the many, many hidden layers that that are connected to it. So yeah, I mean, wow, yeah, I, I really connected with his spirit too, and I just felt like, you know, he really sees me. He gets, you know, what I'm doing, and he knows that. I mean, there, I, I've got sisters and cousins who are all in a similar age group, and nobody's really taking this on. So, And I'm not saying, oh, well, look at me doing it. It doesn't matter. I mean, everybody does an important role. But um, I really felt like there was no real Laura, you know, in this incarnation. It seemed I was just like all of a sudden split into like this global saga and, this, you know, something, you know, from thousands and thousands of years back that, you know, I was just completing, you know, something that uh, – we're all involved in on, 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 on some kind of level, but this was like the big whammy. You know, this this was it. This is this is where the game the game ends. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've you've certainly uh, taken off of, of on a, a huge journey of a, a mythical journey of your own, which is really interesting and it's incredible to hear your story and all of your fabulous information tonight. It's it's great, and I see we have other callers, Helene, on we the do. on the line. We do. We're going to uh, welcome William from California. And, William, you're live on the air with Laura Eisenhower. Laura, you are the most spiritually developed, most incredibly strong person I think I've ever met. Aw. You are absolutely amazing. You are, oh, um, thank I've known you. you. I've known you for three years now, and... Um, you are about the you're you are literally the most spiritually developed person I have come across yet. Wow. Is that you, Brett? That is me. 
Oh, very sweet of you to say that. As uh, Al, I've been um, I've been trying to get a hold of you to ask for advice and stuff. That uh, I've I've been uh, re re uh, thinking of uh, a friend of mine from from long ago, uh, Willie McCool, and he's been on my mind continuously for the last three months. And uh, I've been uh, I've been trying to get uh, some spiritual advice on that. That has a uh, really uh, it, I'm kind of just now bouncing back from uh, from being away publicly or from being away from people and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of concern too. I'm so glad you're okay and you're here. And I, I, I definitely will respond to this message. I've just been swamped, but you know that, you know, I'll connect with you about this as soon as I can. Right. Awesome. As, uh, the um, politics are, are just getting so ridiculous now. It, it is uh, getting so evil and so evidently evil in, in politics right now or, or with, uh, with what's going on with the world. It's just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's I, I don't even know if I can pay much more attention. I'm just I'm done with uh anything connected to government, really. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, well you're to... an amazing being, Brett. Oh my gosh. Brett's a mark yeah. experiencer. Um there's just a lot to say about Brett. Um wow. <laughs> He's uh one of the whistleblowers about um uh the Mars uh stuff. Uh, oh. he, uh, okay. Yeah, he's he's aligned with uh, Andrew Bashago and Alfred Weber, and we we all um, have connected our stories, our experiences, and it's just been amazing. He's he's a remarkable person, Brett Stillings, William Stillings. Oh, uh, thanks. All right, I will we'll talk to you guys later. Well, thank you for your call. We really appreciate your listening to the show tonight. We do. It's awesome thank you, show. William Brett. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Hello? Yes, we're all here. Are you there? <laughs> all of a sudden yeah. I'm hearing all these clicks on the line. Um, again, you know, this is, it takes a lot of courage. You know, what in the gentleman you were just speaking with, talking about these subjects that are, are not even particularly uh, popular and some would say are beyond the fringe. But, again, people speaking out and saying this is what I know about this subject, it takes a lot of guts. It really does. It really does. Um, it's, you know, nobody gets paid. Uh, people, you know, project upon it. I mean, yeah, maybe just a little bit for, you know, travel money to go to an event or, you know, maybe a speaker's fee, depending on what event. But um, it takes a lot. It's like, you know, there's a lot of disinformation out there, so it's easy to get lumped in, uh, uh, you know, lumped in that category. Uh, and being called crazy, I mean, that's, that's like, normal. I mean, that's nothing new about that. But um, it does take a lot, and, it, and, it's, and it's really just about, you know, love. I mean, it's it's for love. It's 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 for the human race. It's you know, I mean, I had the opportunity to go, you know, and be protected from whatever might happen on Earth. But like, there's nothing and nowhere I'd rather be than Mother Earth and serving humanity and sharing these things. You know, rather than being you know protected and taken away by a bunch of elitists that have these great technologies that are still trying to control, um, you know, this planet. So it's it's a, a personal thing but it's it's also about humanity and of course the planet and just and just total love and devotion 
And so I really appreciate, you know, these whistleblowers. And, you know, I'm proud of myself for, um, you know, doing the right thing. And nothing nothing, nothing was going to get in the way of that. Um, my heart's always been about that since I was a little kid. Um, my well, and what a lot of people humanity. don't don't really realize when you're involved in the projects, for example, that they were trying to get you involved in, is how convoluted a lot of this can get. And it does tend to make the person who's talking about it sound a little wacky, and that's done on purpose, I think. So there's there's not a real straight line from point A to point B when it comes to trying to recruit people or trying to get people involved in, in uh, hidden projects. There's a lot that uh, if the person goes to tell their story, there's a lot of blanks to be filled in. There's a lot of information that doesn't seem to make sense. But in my opinion, and again, you lived it, so you can say whether it's true or not, I think they do that on purpose so that if you ever do come out and talk about it, you do sound like a wacko. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, um, you know, a lot of my presentations are about trying to connect all these dots, including, you know, why there was a secret Mars agenda and why they want to colonize Mars and what is the history of Mars, how does it connect to, you know, our planetary body today, and what does it mean in our chakras, what does it mean as an astrological sign, what are all the different energies connected to this. And so a lot of, you know, what I share is trying to handle the information on a multidimensional level um, because, you know, if the myths line up with the geology, with the science, with the physics, and with the astrology, then it, it, each element sort of proves the other, you know, if they all end up working out. So um, it can be like a lot of fun, but of course there's always going to be missing pieces. And when I was first sharing it, I didn't have all the pieces quite together. So it's very easy to jump in and sort of, you know, uh, like, like to call it on crazy, but it's important um, to understand that we just want to start the conversation. You know, it's not about like coming out with this, like, oh, I have it all figured out and I've got all the answers because I went through this. It's like, well, here's what I went through. I'm still trying to sort it out, but this is what I was told. This is what I heard, you know, and um, let's all be in conversation about it because this shouldn't be secret. And, uh, you know, but, but pretty soon after that, um, and maybe even before that, I had just a larger picture view of like, okay, well, this is what it all really does mean. And people are like, how could you compare or how could you connect the divine feminine with aliens and with Mars and like, you know, how the heck were, you know, does mythology have anything to do with the military industrial complex or archetypes or, and I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like everything is, and all of this is connected. It's just some things are crammed into the just hidden uh, regions and some things are exposed but in distorted versions and some things, you know, we just um, are, are darn obvious um, about, you know, what the human soul is really made of, which is, you know, the desire to love and to have, you know, to protect loved ones and and all these simple things that all this race division and just all the historical resentments because of what happened during war, you know, this is this is all part of the agenda to stop our ascension process. So yeah, it's it's um it's fine whatever, you know, people say. I'm not here to make friends and be famous. I'm just definitely here to do the right thing and whatever comes along with that I accept. So Well and it's nice because you're so open about this. And you're willing to talk about all these different subjects. And you're also saying, I don't have all the answers, but this is what I know so far. And that's the most honest position you can take on any of this stuff. Because as you've said repeatedly, so much has been hidden. So much has been, oh gosh, I guess just taken and segmented in different ways. So pulling all these pieces together externally is a lot of ways what we have to do internally as you started out talking about retrieving all the parts of ourselves 
that most powerful, most powerful transformation, finding the Holy Grail, living in the fluidity of the beautiful uh, Avalon of the past, our own magical being. I mean, this is really the quest. And what you're trying to do is, is help people along that path, as complicated as it may get. You've certainly found your way through the dark forest, and you're here to extend a hand, and that's so generous of you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And, really you know, is, when I was in the really middle of it. It really is very generous of you, Laura, but what, what I really felt was that um, so much of the information that you're giving is really almost like coming through you energetically, but what it's coming through as is tons and tons and tons of layers, layer upon layer. And I hope that whoever's listening tonight will listen to the show again so they can get a deeper meaning behind what you're saying, too. Right. And I know it can be, you know, really difficult. That's why, you know, anybody that wants to just message me, if you have any questions, I can consult, you know, in phone calls, too. Um, and, and I have information about that on my website. Because there are, you know, a lot of layers. But I remember just being in the thick of it and in the middle of it and not having really anybody to help me. Or I, it just, it was really hard. And I said, you know, if I ever make it out of this alive, I'm going to make it my life calling or just my my work to to, 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 to lend a hand to help people, you know, uh, through this. And and I'm just so grateful that I'm able to. It's the, the best work I've ever done. It's just really rewarding. And it's incredible because we're really here to unify. So it, So it's another opportunity just to connect to people. And I also remember just saying to the universe, please just get these control forces away from me just so I can love, you know, and, like, embrace and just connect. And, like, that is the best part is just all these amazing people I get to meet, you know, being on this show and just sharing and being like a global family. I mean, that's that's where it's at. That is where it's at. And, and again, I think we're all uh, of the same mind, and many of our listeners are that come to hear Supernatural Girls. It's... It's a place where we can safely discuss all of this information and people can call in and ask questions and and it's it's a wonderful wonderful way to share this information. We can't thank you enough really for taking your valuable time and and sharing all of this this great information with us and with our listeners tonight. It's been a just a fantastic show, Laura. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've so enjoyed it. I just I love the topic and I really love being here. Oh, Thank you, okay. Laura. We thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm telling you, this two hours went by so quickly. It was amazing. You did. Yeah, yeah. Have a good night. Well, thank, thank you, you so Laura. much. Thank you. Thanks. And we want to encourage Bye. everybody again to go to angelslighthouse.com because Helene Olson has some really cool things that are coming up on that site, and you don't want to miss them. So please Go to angelslighthouse.com and subscribe to Helene's newsletter. And, Helene, you have something that you're going to share with the audience about what you're offering these days. Well, just for the next few days, for the month of August, actually, uh, I have a big discount on readings. So right now, if you book before August 10th, and you can make your appointment for any time, but you do have to book it by August 10th, uh, there's over a 30% discount on a reading, and it's $85 for a one-hour session. And that's an appreciation of all of my newsletter subscribers. So go on over to angelslighthouse.com and subscribe and place your appointment by the 10th and receive a big reduced rate because this fall, Patricia, it looks like I and you and you and I are going to be very busy, right? 
<laughs> so, I That's what really we've been told. The, yeah, I don't know what the availability for appointments or what the rates will be at that point, so take this opportunity now to do something great for yourself and get some angelic guidance. But also you want to sign up on SupernaturalGirls.com because we actually have some great products that are going to be added to our website in the future, in the near future, and so we want to make sure that everybody is signed up for that. And uh, oh, definitely. We're not re- yeah, we're not going to reveal it right now, though, right? No, we won't. But I can tell no. you that these products are powerful, and it's mm-hmm. something that people are really going to want. So definitely go and sign up on SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com, and you will be in the know. Yeah. Now, this summer, uh, I know in the summertime, and I can't understand why, Patricia, so maybe you'll explain it to me another time, but it seems <laughs> to me my, my my dreams are more vivid in the summer. I don't know why. It just always well, goes that way. It, for some people, it's true that it's a seasonal thing, and it's everybody's individual when it comes to that mm-hmm. that particular question. But certainly, you don't want to leave your dreams on the table. You want to take them with you. You want to learn how to communicate with your dreaming mind because there's a lot of power there. So that's one more thing, uh, that one more tool you can use to find your way home. And, I again, if anybody's yeah, interested in dream analysis, they can contact me at pbaker yeah, at bigpickeragency.com. And as I've said before on the air, you have absolutely helped me with some dream issues I was having about a year ago, and it worked. And it was well, fabulous, and I just think you're the best dream analyst out there. It's amazing. Well, thank you. I love the anybody work, having, and I love to yeah. people. So, anybody thank you having for that. Those issues, uh, your, your link is right on the Supernatural Girls homepage, and so it people is. should go on over. Yeah. Yes. What come a visit night, us, huh? everybody. Oh my goodness, it's been so exciting. I won't be what able to sleep. What a night! <laughs> I know it. We are exciting well, over here at Supernatural Girls, and. <laughs> Our audience is going to be, uh, I think, thinking about this show for quite some time. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. And also I want to thank Jim, our call screener, who was so diligent tonight and very helpful. And we really really appreciate you, Jim. Thanks for hanging in there. Thank you, Jim. You did a great job tonight with all the callers that we had. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we're at the end of another wonderful show, Patricia. Yes, we are, and we're going to have yet another one next week. So, everybody, tune in next week, and we'll see what happens then. (laughs) Good night, Patricia. Good night, Helene, and good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with 